Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Podcast. It is Sunday and we're at the end of week one in the Big Brother house <laughs> or the Little Sister house as we've started calling it on show, on rehearsal notes. Um, and I'm I'm very much enjoying our podcast, Simon Baker, because I get to talk to you. You talk to me all the time. No, I don't, though. <laughs> Stop talking to me. <laughs> That's not true. We work together a lot, but this is quite a nice chance to sit down, isn't it, and have a chat? Yeah. Well, do, you want, do you want to talk about stuff we should be doing at home or just about the show? <laughs> no, there's no podcast could be long enough to, <laughs> to cover that. We're going to talk about um, the week that's just gone at The Lucky Chance. Oh, yeah, because you had the company for the first week. Yep company for the first week first week of rehearsals and because last time I was saying it was like Christmas Eve so this is I don't know it's not quite Christmas Day yet is it but it did happen people arrived oh and Sai it's so amazing the work that you have done on the building you and Jay and Jamie it's magic it's really magic so it's been everything that I could hope for we've had fantastic friends and artists in everybody eats their lunch in the sort of the top bar we've been rehearsing on our set down in the main space um we've gone out and done a lot of drinking have you but that's part of it though isn't it because everybody's out a lot of the company is staying in Froome now aren't they yeah the company's basically split in two which is the people that are living in Froome there's those of us that live in Froome anyway and those people that have up sticks to come and live in Froome for the production and then there's the Bristol based gang and they're really good they all go home to their families and I imagine eat lettuce and mineral water but those of us I mean I feel a responsibility <laughs> to the people that have moved to Froome yeah. but it, that makes it sound like I'm doing it for them which I am I mean I do think if if you're asking people to live away from home it's really nice to build a sense of community um, with no pressure but to sort of say there are things happening but the same goes for me which is how happy am I that I've got friends and colleagues like living locally I, I can't get enough of it I love it but that does mean that I've come in like a bad cat almost every night haven't I you have, really, yeah. Have you recorded anything for me? Yes, I have. I've got a pub conversation. Well, let's have a listen to that then. So we are in the pub after our first day of rehearsals for the little match girl. With a fluffy mic. With a fluffy mic. And we've done our first day for little match girl and it feels like the beginning of the lucky chance. It feels like a theatre. Um, so, Katie Owen, how's it been today? Tedious, aggressive, intimidating. Um, I couldn't have loved it more, actually, and I'm, I feel almost tearful that we've gotten to this point, and uh, I, I feel very lucky indeed. The lucky chance also, can I get a taxi home to Cardiff? Mirabelle? <laughs> um, I had a great, a great day. I couldn't sing very much, but um, it will be better tomorrow. You lost your superpower, which was being able to sing. I lost my superpower. I was very intimidated by this space. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a very impressive space, I have to say. Yeah, very special energy in there. The lucky chances will get you. But you've been loads of times, Mirabelle. What was different today? Well, everything was different, Emma. It's like a new person. It's like when someone gets finally to the point that they want to get, you know, the go they want to be someone and they finally get there in their life. And then you see it and you're like, wow, I've never seen you under that light. 
Lloyd Gorman, first time in the Lucky Chance, first day of Macross School, how are you feeling? Um, some of the harmonies were ropey, some of the, some of the dancing was ropey, but I tried. And, um, and I liked the new game that the new space creates, which was called... Big Table. Big Table. Big Table. And if you know, you know. And if you come, you'll see it. Big Table was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Actually makes, makes all other ball games sort of pale into insignificance. Um, Annie, yes. choreographer. Yes. How's today been? It's been incredible. It's been absolutely amazing. Such a glorious space to move in, to play in, and to jump around. I feel really privileged to be the first like um, show in the Lucky Chance. Like I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just loving it. Absolutely. So drunk. She's just dropped her phone. I know. Yeah, that's, it, that's it. I'm loving it so much. Throw everything off. Um, yeah, feel really privileged, really humble. It's going to be a thing of magic and beauty. It sure is. Vince, how's it been? Oh, it's been great. You know, I did a lot of singing today, even though I, I, I'm not here to sing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also did some technical work, you know. Um, I worked on the printer. I, um, uh, yeah. I, um, I, I tucked some, some wires under the stage, yeah, because it was, a, it was a hazard. You know, I was afraid because Maribel was flipping all over the place. Come on, Vince, we, we, we found you in America, we've brought you back here, and you are a percussionist as well, so you're going to be making some music. That is true. I'm always making music, and I, and I do love music, so, um, yeah, that is highly likely. ED, you're coming back for your third time as Little Match Girl. How does it feel? <laughs> just, just so you didn't know, I just, I just fell off the bar with my elbow. Then I'm so drunk. Only falls on horses. It's lovely to return to the show, and really exciting to see how it's going to change in such a different space. Um, and yeah, it's great to finally see the lucky chance. The thing I noticed was being a puppeteer, we saw your bottom, we have oh, to yeah. move around a lot yes. more. Yeah, my bum is going to play a big part. Yeah, and it's an excellent bum. Maddie, welcome to Wise Children. Thank you. Thank you. How was it today? That was lovely. I only teared up a few times. Oh, so Maddie's our stage manager, born and bred in Froome. So amazing. So we've got you here. And, and what made you cry? Oh, well, when the singing started. <laughs> it was really beautiful, yeah. There were some really beautiful moments. And, and um, seeing the little match girl come to life. Really, really beautiful. She's a bit amazing, isn't she? She's really amazing, yeah. Was it you who said you thought there was a child in... Someone, yeah, you came into the room and thought there was a child in the room. And then were like, oh, wait, no, it's... She's got the magic. She's the most magic puppet ever. Laura Keith, how are you doing? Apart from laughing at me, <laughs> I, was, I was laughing at Vince. Thinking a puppet was a child. <laughs> I'm very good. I've had a lovely time. I'm both delighted that there's lots of people to clean the toilet and the kitchen, but also mourning my job a little bit as well. Aww. Well, I know we've been working really hard to get the space ready, and now we're handing it to the ensemble, to the future. It's brilliant. Good night, everybody. Good night. So what have you? I've been in rehearsals. What have you been up to? Um, it's been a funny week this week. I'd rather let you get on with rehearsals because me and Jay had to sneak back to the office to do such exciting things, uh, such as get the budget ready for the board meeting on in early December. 
and you know how much I'm love laughing doing because admin. in Little Match Girl there's a joke isn't there about budget and it rhymes with fudget <laughs> anyway sorry now I've said that <laughs> we'll need more budget you can't just fudge it well we've been working on that I suppose we've had we've been a bit um, scared of looking at the budget so I haven't actually opened it for about four weeks and all the final bills are coming in so we were just making sure we're not going to bankrupt the company I'm expecting you to bankrupt the company. I, I, I expect nothing less. I think we're going to be absolutely fine. Do you really? By, yeah, I do. I think we're going to be... I mean, clearly we're not going to be on budget and we're certainly not going to be under budget, but we're going to be within the right ballpark. Just imagine how big that ballpark might be. <laughs> massive, massive. Well... So I think we're going to I'm be I'm a right. little bit dumbstruck because it doesn't feel like there's been any expense spared. Now, I know that... You've been doing it yourselves. Um, so on that level, I can see that there's been some savings, but everybody needs paying. And, I mean, it looks amazing. It does not look like a cheap makeshift bar. So if it really is coming in in the right massive ballpark, that's amazing. I think it's going to come in OK. And I think Little Match Girl, this is interesting podcast stuff, isn't it? The <laughs> <laughs> inner workings of wise children. I think both are going to do. But the, the, both are going to come in fine, both the building and the production. But those sort of things are important because if we had have gone uh way over budget we we would have been in trouble next year and well cash flow would be all wrong and that means that bluebeard might have to suffer or yeah do you know what i mean so yeah. there's a sort of big responsibility it's amazing and i mean, I don't want to sound flippant because you know budgets are there to help you stay on track but there's also a tipping point isn't there with anything where you're in you know at some point we are going to open yeah match girl and if it needs doing, it needs doing. And if you're going to spend money, you might as well spend the right money. So there, there is a moment when you, you you sort of blow it a little bit. But so it's amazing if we have No, I think we're doing OK. And we, had, we did have a few scares because um, people might have seen the shots on social media that there was... Um, the front of the building has a big stained window. Yeah. And over that stained window was probably put up in the 90s some perspex. Mm-hmm. And somebody just literally the week before we bought it, I think we'd even had an offer in on it. I think our offer had been, I think we'd bought it, but think, we hadn't got the keys, you know, it was in that Yeah, long it was that period, wasn't bit. it? Somebody put up a sort of massive poster over the front of that window and they, they put it up like you would put up a, an old billboard poster, so rolls of paper and, um, you know, wallpaper paste and a broom, presumably. But this a thing was... A very long broom, because it's a very, very long high. broom. But this thing was huge and it was clearly a sort of piece of installation art, but we could not find out who'd done it. We'd been to everybody, we'd been to... Um, all the sort of various places in Froome we could think of, the sort of um, photographic exhibition people and lots of local artists. We put it on social media. Um, we, we, we did an awful lot of work around it to try and find out how it was. Nobody claimed responsibility for it. So we thought, well, this can't be... What it wasn't was a Banksy that we were going <laughs> to suddenly be able to pay for everything with. Wouldn't that have been good? Um, but anyway... Banksy, no, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, come just, and do a just do picture something. for us. Come on. Um, so... We had this big thing which we, we, we then needed to get rid of because we didn't really know what it was. We didn't know who it was by, so it's not like we could have sort of celebrated it in any way. Um, and it, it looked a bit... It wasn't very us, was it? It didn't no. look anything like no. anything to do with wise children. So it had to come down. It's quite difficult to get that down. It was very easy to get it up, very difficult to get it down. But in the process of trying to get it down, our... I can't remember how you describe them, our window perspex fitting company... <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. go with that. Uh, discovered that that window was loose. What, so, the glass or the 
stone? I think it's called the mullion, which holds, which is the the stone which holds the glass in place, oh. was moving around. Oh. So we had, so poor Jay, that was in the middle of the, our last board meeting, which is why Jay had to disappear. So <laughs> as, we were, as we were telling the board how brilliant TLC was going, um, Jay was legging it down there to find out if the, if the wall was going to fall down. Um, so we had that to, to deal with. And it's actually fine. The building is shifting slightly. Um, and it's probably been shifting slightly for about 60 years. And we, we've had lots of people here. And we've had the architects that have been back in. Um, we've had several stonemasons come and look at it. And there's, we, we've now got lots of plans. Oh, there's several stonemasons. Round here there are, surprisingly, wow. yeah. We've had two stonemasons out so far. Um, but there's, it's actually completely safe. But in order to... Um, make it absolutely safe. The stonemason recommended we we batten some of it off um, from the inside, and that led us to Malcolm Ripith's blackout curtain fiasco, as it shall be called. <laughs> is this another moment when you've nearly died? And the context to this is: last time I was um, watching Simon Baker up a scaffolding tower, you electrocuted yourself. I did get electrocuted that day. Yeah, that was upsetting. So was this another scaffold tower incident? This or? was yeah. This was much scarier. This was a much higher scaffold tower. Mm-hmm. Um, I love where, stories like this. Where we were, where certainly Jay, Jamie, and myself were being very overly ambitious about how much weight we could actually lift. Um, that Jamie had to eventually call up some grown-ups because clearly me and Jay just weren't strong enough. <laughs> so, uh, so lots of things. Like, so in terms of the budget, when you look at the sort of dominoes of let's take down this picture, the front then wall's moving more. That, yeah. Then it needs time back. Then we need to get a stonemason in. Then we and you know we have to pay lots of other professional fees to, to make sure it's safe. Um, so all of those, you know, all of those things kind of. You, you can't predict them. And when you're writing a budget or looking at a project like that, you can't predict you can't that just kind of craziness. <laughs> you, you kind of can't, <laughs> especially when you're well, inviting the public well, in. Well, I'll tell you what, if you have brought this amazing renovation in, in the ballpark of the budget, it's a Christmas miracle. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty close, actually. Well, my, my week event that I thought I would talk about, and which I still haven't 100% processed was really interesting because um, this is the third outing of The Little Match Girl, so it's a show I know well, and it's evolved every time, and it's evolving again. And it's a very, very well-known folk story, fairy story, with a very sad end. So I feel that it's in the cultural DNA that it's sad. Um, And I also feel when we made it, there was the Syrian crisis and... Um, do you remember little Alan Curdy that was pulled from the sea? Mm. You know, I mean, it was, it's been made very much with the refugee crisis and with war zones in mind and about the children that are forgotten. Anyway, cut to this new production. I'm working with lots of people I know, but only two people in the room have worked on the show before. And one of the people that's worked on this show before is Edie, who's the most fantastic... Um, puppeteer and Edie has operated the little match girl puppet in all three productions anyway we got to Friday and I was trying to just have touched on every bit of um, material that we'd of the show in the first week so it was unbelievably rough and I just said just plow through let's piece it together see what we've got and we got to the moment of the little match girl's death and 
I hadn't prefaced it at all, but because Edie knows this moment very well, she performed The Little Match Girl's Death and it was unimaginably and almost indescribably moving. It caught us all by surprise. We thought we were just piecing together some bits and bobs and suddenly um, Ian Ross was playing music this child died in front of us and it was unbelievably moving. I cried, although I have to say there's no headline in that. I cry every day when working on this story. But several members of the company were very, very moved, um, uncomfortably moved, sort of um, visibly moved. Um, and I, in a, in a not very impressive moment of leadership, sort of called lunch. I thought everybody needed a chance to pull themselves together. Anyway, it, it did become clear that we should talk about it. And now I've got, in this modern world, there's a... I sound like such an old lady. But, you know, there is absolutely um, a focus on mental health and being able to talk about it. But I think I always like to think that people know that they can talk to me and know that there's all sorts of soft ways of discussing that. And I think I was really nervous. I was really nervous about talking to the group in case... I don't know. I don't know what I was scared of. You might have to analyse me on that. Anyway, the long and short of it is we had an amazing group discussion. Amazing. In which we all talked about the power of that moment and what it brought up for us all and what we feared for the audience but also were excited for about the audience. I particularly loved listening to Edie talk about that moment as a puppeteer, um, how they're really proud of that moment and proud that it moves people and it's technically very difficult, so also proud of that. Um, we talked about, um, for those of you that, that know about theatre, this production is going to be um, in Traverse, which means it's like a fashion show catwalk and the audience are on either side but of course that means that you can see the audience not only are you very close to the audience the, the action but you can see the audience so we discussed what that would mean if you were visibly upset if you were being watched by people you didn't know so it was a really really interesting conversation and quite a challenge for me because I think my instinct was to be a bit defensive you know I like to run as you know, I like my rooms to run quite naturally and quickly, don't I? I don't like too much talking. So, but that was the really big event for me. And I think my takeaway is don't be scared of talking to people because everybody's amazing. Um, and also, we've got something really precious on our hands. It feels, it feels pretty amazing that people were powerfully moved by Edie's performance. Probably not realising it's Edie's performance because Edie's so good. Well, Nobody was looking at Edie. We, yeah. were, we were looking, we were completely transferring onto this puppet designed and created by the amazing puppet um, maker, Lindy Wright. You know, so there's there's magic in the room. The puppet is magic and Edie's operation was magic. So I think we forgot the technique. We forgot that. And all of us were, were absolutely transported. But, you know, I, it definitely poked at my vulnerabilities because... Um, I make theatre, you know, I'm, I suppose I'm possibly a bit scared of people's individual emotions. Presumably that's happened. I mean, you've made lots of shows that can be quite brutal. Red Shoes is really brutal. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. Don John was pretty... So you've, you've, you've made shows with big emotions attached to them before. Yes. I wonder whether it's... I mean, I, you, we cannot separate the images we're seeing of Gaza. 
from from what what we were projecting. I think maybe the, I mean, we're we're. It is so hard to watch those images and to feel so powerless. And I think I think that was probably absolutely summoned up in the alchemy of that room. Um, there's several parents in the room. Um, but I also think the world is changed and let's hope for the better, you know, since COVID and I think people are more mindful and quite rightly need, need to not repress that. You know, you talked about the red shoes, but that's, you know, 25 years ago. We, we repressed everything. Yeah, we were really good at that. Well, Pride, <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, all those shows are quite, yeah. they're all quite brutal and very sad. Um, <clears throat> I wonder how kids will manage it because kids are much better at dealing with I mean, that's why those folk tales exist, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're kind of taking big adult themes and teaching them to kids. Well, I mean, I'm not uh, a parent, so I suppose... Um, but I was a child. I mean, I'm passionate about the, the what I call wonder tales because I think they are. They're teaching stories. They were primarily handed down orally from women to women, women to boys, saying these are the things that life is going to throw at you. And and the stories you, I always think that you put them in your sort of, your invisible pocket. And when you, you're told them when you're little and you don't know that you need them, but you pull them out when you, when you need them. So that when you're spotty and gangly and, and you hate your self physically as a teenager you remember the ugly duckling or when you're feeling unloved in a in a step family you remember cinderella you know these are cracking stories i do some of the more unusual ones you know the uh, you know the red shoes was really about the fight for your your artistic and individual freedoms you know that that's very much a coming of age um br- a brutal story of the the cost of living a vibrant true life um, and then Wild Bride is, is really about endurance and healing, how you can heal from trauma. So, you know, these stories are massive. And Little Match Girl is about poverty. It's really political. It's really, really political. Um, and there's sort of no getting away from it. Um, and I'm really, really passionate about that. But on the other hand, sorry, it's because it's been going around my mind a lot, is I was a crier as a child. I, th- I think you're right that possibly adults will be more moved by this than children but i used to wail at disney films <laughs> definitely my <laughs> oh, dad i remember being taken to sort of saturday morning cinemas yeah. and like having to be carried out sort of you know like proper <laughs> sobbing but i don't look back on that as a bad thing you know i was an emotional child and i'm an emotional adult so i don't think any of that did me damage um, so I think we're all thinking about that. I don't know whether I'd want to have been seen, so I am interested in whether the um, the way that we've orientated the space, whether that changes anything. Um, and, yeah, it would be really interesting to see how children respond. But I'm passionate that the, that children have, have to know about these things and stories give them a safe place to imagine the worst, but also what you can do to change your life or to alter things. And it's an amazing show as well, because it's a bloody silly show. You know, we've got the Emperor's New Clothes next door to it, so it's not like you're in this gruelling, sad story. We're in a very magical world, but that that slowly takes us into a world that, yeah, is emotionally uncomfortable, but feels vital. Yeah, I mean, the Traverse thing might be interesting, because I've done um, many years of Christmas Carol, Matthew Waters' Christmas Carol at the Old Vic, which is 
sort of, I mean, I guess you could call it in the round. It's a kind of weird version of in the round. But we've got, certainly when you're sat in, your, in the, what would normally be the stalls of the, of the Old Vic, you're looking straight across at another audience sat on stage. And Tiny Tim dies in, in that. And it, it's incredibly moving and incredibly powerful. Um, he dies in one of the ghosts. I was going to say, yeah. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I've ruined it for you. Oh, yeah. But he, in one of the... In the... Yes, yeah. the visions. Yeah, they're unable to bring him back to life. Um, and just I, had a bit of a, I just had a bit of a moment there. <laughs> I'm sure he lives. I'm sure he lives. He lives yes, in there. You've ruined it for everybody that's going to see it this year. Uh, and he... Uh, and I don't, I don't know whether the Traverse has made a big difference to that. I think it's a much more collective experience. I think um, there's... Uh, always fantastic there's always a collection for numerous homeless charities um around it and there's always a sort of fantastic response i think it does move people makes people think about so and i I wonder whether that it kind of benefits from being in the round because it's much more you feel much more connected to everybody else in the space rather than it just being a very solo thing that you're you're witnessing oh and you know what i was just i just was with a friend earlier today and Thinking about AI and how AI is going to be able to do everything, in in like the in a heartbeat, AI is going to be able to do pretty much every job the rest of us spent our lives doing. But the thing AI can't do is that collective experience and that that coming together of human beings. And you know, it's really precious. It's really really precious. But yeah, it made me. It made me. It was a. It was a really interesting challenge. Um, to me, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Um, and my company were brilliant. That's what I want to say. They surprised me, they challenged me, and they picked me up and said, keep going, which was, was really touching. It was really touching. So that was the big event of the week. But this is going to wow anybody who's listening. I have slept better in the last two nights than I have for months, if not years. So there's a peace falling on me. There's definitely a peace falling on me around all of the alchemy that happens. I mean, you know more than anybody. I'm a, I fall asleep like a stone, don't I? And then I wake up in the early hours and my mind races forever. And I'm, it's like every, every night I'm sleeping an hour longer. It's, it's a little bit magic. Well, we can fix that because I can just give you the jobs list for next week. <laughs> keep you up. I have got one job on my list, and it's a very big job. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh no, two because I have to be social secretary as well. Yeah, that's taking it out of you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Make the show. Do you think that's making you all emotional? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possible. Right. Um, it's Sunday. It's strictly results. It You're going to well. stay in the office. I've got a couple more hours to do here. It's okay. Those education films won't make themselves, will they? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wow, who's that? All Bye. right. Bye. Bye.